Hello, and welcome to another episode of Disneyland Devoted. I am your host, Michelle, and I appreciate you. So today's episode is going to be about talking Disney and Disneyland, the company. There's been a lot of things going on, like a lot of social media and videos on lots of things in the news between Magic Keys, D23, just the overall opinion of Disney these days, um, different things, different values at the Disneyland Resort and all of that. So I just thought, you know, hey, let's talk about it. Um, before we get started on that, though, I just want to be totally transparent and just share with you something really exciting. A few years ago, I decided to be a travel agent because I wanted to help people plan their Disney vacation. I just want to focus on Disney because that's my passion. It's what I know mostly about Disneyland. But in this journey, I've learned so much about all different kinds of Disney vacations from Walt Disney World to Alani in Hawaii to their Adventures by Disney, which is a really cool experience. Just I've just learned so much and I've done so much research and I find it so very exciting. So I just want to let you know that I've rekindled that travel agency um, part of my life. So if there's anyone listening who has a need for a travel agent, they are completely free. It really doesn't cost anything to you. And if you're familiar with booking travel with Disneyland or Walt Disney World, there's a lot of planning that goes into it. There's a lot of research, there's reservations, there's hotels, there's ticket reservations, there's a lot of things. And if you aren't familiar with it, it's just helpful sometimes to have a guiding hand to give you thoughts and suggestions or really to ask you questions to help narrow down what it is that might be the best for you. So if that's something that you're interested in, if you need a travel agent, again, it's completely free to you. You can email me. The email's in the description of this episode, but it is Disneyland Devoted Podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's Disneyland Devoted Podcast at gmail.com. All right, let's dive into it. So just recently D23 happened. And if you're not familiar with that, that is it's um, D23 Expo. It's what it's called. It's in the Anaheim area. It's Disney's uh, way of like unveiling things that are going to happen, showing uh, plans and um, talk about what's up and coming, what they're focusing on, introduce new things. It's like the, the unveiling of information. And I can't believe I've never gone, but I, I haven't. And I'm not sure why. I, I don't know what it is. I feel like maybe I should really investigate this, but um, I'm not going to go into all the things that I heard because there are people who do such a great job who were there and who could walk you through all the different concept art and announcements and panel discussions and all the things that are going on. And there's great YouTube videos around that. So I would recommend if you want the details to dig into that. But here's what I'm hearing from those that I follow on social media and the things that they're saying about that is I'm getting the impression that it wasn't full of a lot of aha or exciting unveiling moments. There were talks about things that could happen at the Disneyland Resort specifically. There's been this undercurrent about a redo of Tomorrowland. And apparently a couple of years ago at D23, it was talked about doing a whole revamp. If you are not familiar with Tomorrowland, it is kind of classic Disneyland in that it has Space Mountain, which is like... I, 
a lot of people's favorite. And it just has like that futuristic feel. It was more futuristic looking years ago than it is now, but it had the people movers, which are no longer there. And that's been kind of the buzz is folks are hoping that the people movers are coming back, which that was something I remember as a kid. I just loved it. And it's an elevated track. And if you've ever been in um, Tomorrowland, you've walked through, you can see the track. It used to go, well, it still does, but it's not in service. So I don't really know what, you know, if it's like working per se, but it went through Space Mountain and it went up around Tomorrowland and you get a nice elevated view, much like the monorail. And it was so much fun as a kid. I just remember getting on this little car with this little, you know, plastic umbrella over you and you just moved around. And I know over at Disney World, they still have the people mover, but there's been a lot of hope and a lot of um, buzz around the fact that maybe the people mover is coming back. It also went into the innovation building, which is where um, that building has been a lot of things. It is, um, what? why is it escaping me? It currently is the um, home of Launch Bay. I couldn't, I couldn't put my, um, I couldn't pull that out of my head. So Launch Bay is like a um, Star Wars um shop for back, lack of a better word. You walk into the building and they have a lot of memorabilia and stormtrooper costumes and helmets. And it's just all about Star Wars. And it's really cool. And you can meet some of the characters. It's been closed for a while. I don't think it's come back since um, since we've come back from the pandemic. But in Tomorrowland is also Star Tours, which is um, has a, a Star Wars theme to it. And then sometimes... Uh, Space Mountain has the Star Wars overlay. So it's kind of like a sister to um, Galaxy's Edge, which the, the whole Tomorrowland theming was there before Galaxy's Edge. So it's like an extension. And they're at the Galactic Grill right in front of that Innovations Building. Um, they used to have shows where Kylo Ren would come out and perform or Darth Vader, which I love having Darth Vader around. Um, just a lot of cool stuff there. But it's been a little quiet since we came back from COVID. And then, of course, with Galaxy's Edge, a lot of the characters are over there. But that building over the time has been other things. It has been it was innovations at one point, which was like a futuristic look at things that could happen in the future. It used to be a show um, where you sat in a theater and the stage. Um, actually, either the stage moved or the audience moved. I think the stage moved around in a circle and there was a lot of different shows going on. I mean, this is way back when I was a kid and I don't even remember what we watched. I just remember being in that big auditorium building and it was really awesome. And then uh, a few years back, we did that awesome dessert party called Skyline Terrace, and that was the dessert party with the fireworks. So you you checked in, and it was like $65 a person, I think, a few years back, and you went up the ramp, and you stayed on the balcony. You didn't actually go in the building, but they had like this lounge set up there, and there was charging stations and games, and they gave you blankets, and you got to watch the fireworks from that view, just so you could see the projection and the fireworks, and, you could, and the music was pumped in. Um, you could see the projections from a distance. It wasn't the same as being like on Main Street, um, but you could see the fireworks mostly and you could hear the music and it was really awesome. And I really enjoyed that, but that I don't believe is back either. So it's 
it has an identity crisis, that poor thing. And a few years before, um, I'm sorry, a few weeks before D23, there was um, an announcement that part of the innovations building was going to be a um, a lounge for uh, DVC, Disney Vacation Club members that were going to be in that building. So like in Disney World, they have that. So if you are a DVC member, you have a special place that you can go just for um, DVC members. And they usually have food or drinks or both and chargers and lounge area for you, just like they have for the Magic Key holder. So it's like a little unique perk for you. So then when that announcement came out that they were making some of that building into this lounge and they showed some of that concept art. There was a lot of buzz around that. Like it, some people felt that the concept art didn't look very um, complex, which means maybe it was a temporary fix. And still there was hope that people movers were going to come back. So like I said, the track goes through people movers, excuse me, the people movers track goes through the innovations building. So people are still holding out hope that they're not doing anything too permanent to that building because the people movers is coming back. So I, I don't have the answer to that. None of us know that. But that was uh, something that folks were hoping that when they went to D23, they would hear something about either the um, renovation of Tomorrowland um, or the people movers coming back. And neither one of those things were discussed. So there was some disappointment around that. So um, we've got some diehards out there that are really holding out hope for some of these things. Plus, when they had mentioned the renovation to Tomorrowland a few years back, you know, everyone's kind of waiting for that. But Disney doesn't do anything in a hurry. They typically take a couple of years to make something happen, and they put a lot of quality and theming. The Imagineers do such a great job. So nothing quick would happen anyway, but the fact that something wasn't announced or an update or a status wasn't announced, that was some disappointment. Plus, you may remember during COVID, there was a lot of conversation around Splash Mountain being rethemed around Tiana and Princess and the Frog. And that is not happening uh, in the immediate future. I think I'm hearing 2024. So it takes a little while for those things to come down. Someone has said they thought it might come down in the summer to start that renovation. That seems silly to me. I wouldn't take that down in the summer. That's the most popular ride they have in the summer. I would wait until the winter. And if it's not this winter, maybe next winter it would be a good time to bring the ride down to retheme. I'm really looking forward to that. I love Splash Mountain. I absolutely love it. And I think that the whole Princess and the Frog theme would just really lend well to that, that whole ride. And, oh, I just think it's such a great ride. So I'm really looking forward to that, but no new news there. And then the other thing I'm hearing a lot about is Bob Chapek. So I follow a lot of different people that have a lot of things to say about him. And I am a Bob Iger fan. I've read his book. I find his management style to be more my type of style. I respond well to his kind of conservative and human approach. I feel he's very human. I feel like he's very in touch with the people side of things. And I feel as though Bob Chapik has gotten a bad rap for not being him, which of course, you're never going to be that person before you, right? Your predecessor, you're never going to be them. 
or you shouldn't be because you should bring something new and fresh. That said, one thing that I've noticed, and I don't know who's responsible, I don't know if it's the collective or if it's the CEO in Bob or if it's the board. I'm not sure if it's the man, Josh. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to say his uh, Jamel, I may say his name wrong, so I don't have it right in front of me, but he's a head of parks and resorts. So I'm not sure who's responsible for this, but I have seen a bit of a shift in that there's a lot of money making additives going on at the Disneyland Resort. So of course it is a for-profit business, right? Disney is a huge, huge business and I respect that they're here to make money. So I can't discount that. I mean, that's what they do, right? And they have all kinds of merchandise and they have, you know, ticket sales and they have resorts and they have events and they have all kinds of things and ways to make money. But it seems like recently with the dawn of uh, Genie Plus being a purchased item where FastPass was not a purchase item was like the first time I started to see that ship turn a little bit. So previous to Genie Plus, you had the FastPass system. And if you wanted to do it, I'm doing air quotes. I always do that with you guys and you can't see them, but just imagine I'm doing them. You had the old school way of getting Fast Pass, which is you went to a kiosk at the actual ride that had Fast Pass. Not all of them do. You put your ticket um, in the, the kiosk and then you it gave you a return time and a piece of paper. And then you could either scan your ticket or that piece of paper at your return time and ride the ride. But then they came out with the system online, which was fast pass, but it had a fee to it. And, but it, the fee was that it was online in the system, right? And so, um, if you wanted the ability to make those fast pass reservations on your phone, then you purchase their service to do that. And so, um, which I absolutely loved that. And when I was an annual pass holder, I, um, added that as it was like, I don't know what it was like, $200 a person to add this, um, this added service so that you could always do this from your phone. And I preferred that than to go to those individual kiosks. That said, people could still utilize FastPass if they didn't want to purchase this online way of doing it. They could do it old school. And I would watch videos where people would come into the park and make a beeline for, say, um, Space Mountain or Matterhorn. Um, and they would get their fast pass and then they would go about their day, do whatever they needed to do and then return at that return window. And so you can still do that for free. Now you can't do that for free at all. The only way that you can use a fast pass system, which is now called lightning lane is you had to purchase genie plus. So having that added expense when something used to be free was disappointing. So that was my first like, uh, not really crazy about that. And then these individual purchases, these individual lightning lanes for those very expensive ones, um, such as Rise of the Resistance or over in California Adventure, the um, Cars Land Ride, Radiator Springs Racers, or the Web Slingers, that you can't even get that through Genie Plus. So even if I paid my $20, it's not in there. And it's in fact, a fee per ride was like, oh my gosh, are you kidding? There's even more. It costs even more to do that. Sure, I can go and stand by and I can wait in line and I can do it for no additional fee and that's still available. And I do appreciate that. But if you're wanting to have that 
online experience, it would have been nice if it was part of Genie Plus since I was already paying an additional $20. Now it's an additional, you know, $15 or $20 on top of the $20 for Genie Plus if you want Genie Plus. And to clarify, you can do the individual lightning lanes for those three rides I just mentioned, uh, regardless of having Genie Plus. They are mutually exclusive. You don't have to have one to do the other. So if you wanted no Genie Plus, you can still purchase those individual lightning lanes. But if you did want Genie Plus and the individual lightning lanes, it, the dollar signs are just cha-ching, cha-chinging all over the place. So there was that. And then the reservation system, which I do appreciate the need to control the, the crowds. I've been at Disneyland 365 days. I feel like at this point I've gone at like at some point throughout the year. And so I, I know from my experience when it's more crowded and less crowded and the holiday season, like in December seems to be the most crowded, but pre um, the reservation system, there was only a few times I ever heard where Disneyland closed due to capacity. And now post COVID, they control the crowds through the reservation system and they can, you know, stop people from coming in, which I appreciate the crowd control because when it's very crowded, it's not pleasurable. And I know they're trying to, to be mindful of that, but it's such a mystery. You don't really know what that is. That said, I've been on the app because, you know, I just like to go on the app just for fun. And I like to see what are the wait times like right now. Like I open up the app. I look to see what's going on at Disneyland, even though I'm not going there because I like to see what's happening at both parks. I also like to see the reservation system. Are all parks opened? Are they, you know, is it like getting crowded where like maybe Disneyland is closed towards um, Halloween or the or California Adventure? Because that's where the Oogie Boogie Bash is. And that's where there's a lot of different types of of Halloween stuff. So I just like to watch it. Right. So now it's like you really don't have any idea what's going on. But I can tell you it looks very open. Like I've looked at dates um, as far out as it'll go. And I'm not seeing a lot of restrictions. So it feels like. Um, either they've opened up capacity um, quite a bit from where they used to be, or people aren't going as much, which kind of brings me to my next point, which is magic key holders, which used to be called annual pass holders. So magic key holders are folks that have um, annual pass for the year, and there were different tiers when it first rolled out post-COVID. Dream was the top, the highest, and then they just went down from there. And by highest, it means you paid the most amount of money and you had the least amount of blockout dates. Um, however, magic key holders are required to make a reservation, which is not a fan favorite. Um, you know, long gone are those days where you just wake up and be like, you know, I'm having my cup of coffee right now, but a trip to Disneyland sounds really great. And you shoot off there. You can't just do that. You have to make a reservation to get into the park. So if you are not planning ahead, you run the risk that you can't get in, even if you're a magic key pass holder. So that was kind of a, a bone of contention. But recently they did, they took down the ability to purchase magic key passes and only allowed renewal. So you had to have one and you could renew it. But if you don't have one, you can't purchase one as of right now. Now I'm hearing rumblings. I'm not hearing anything from Disney. So take this with a grain of salt, but I am hearing that there's a potential that they may not sell more. And I'm hearing different reasons for that. 
Um, some camps are saying because the uh, Magic Key holders do not spend as much money as a, a non-pass holder. So to put that in perspective, I if I'm a pass holder and I've, I can go anytime I want, I may just go into the park for a few hours, ride a few rides. I may not buy food. I may not buy merchandise because I'm there more frequently and I choose not to do that. And apparently that's what they're tracking. And they're seeing that those folks don't spend as much money per visit as those that are um, not pass holders. So I've planned a weekend trip. I've planned a, you know, once in a lifetime trip. I've planned this, you know, family vacation. And when they get there, they do the whole thing. They buy merchandise and food and they're spending more money during their trip. And so as a business, what I'm hearing is when you look at that, that way, they make more money off of the non-pass holders. I mean, again, take that with a grain of salt, but I can see the logic there. I can see as a previous pass holder, you do just go in for little pockets and you don't go and have full meals there. Maybe you have a snack. Maybe you, um, you know, buy like seasonal offerings. Oh, they're having this great Halloween item or this 4th of July item or, you know, watch out during the Christmas season. But you buy those items, but just on the whole, you didn't spend a lot of money and merchandise you know, you really just may look at things that are like, again, seasonal offerings are brand new. Um, whereas as a weekend warrior or someone who goes a little less often now, I save up for those, um, those merchandise purchases, meaning I don't buy them like on Amazon or if I'm in Target, I wait till I go to Disneyland. So I kind of can see their logic and I do understand they're trying to make money. The people that don't understand that very well are the pass holders. And what I mean by that is, from their perspective, they have more restrictions on going and it's taking some of that fun away that used to be spontaneous and just a little easier and just heading over there. Clearly, there is still a need for those and people are very anxious for the passes to come back for sale. So if you don't have one today, you can still get one and people renewed their passes. So it's certainly not something that people are shying away from. What I don't know, and I haven't seen any stats to tell you if there's been a drop of renewals, if people just said, no, thank you, I'm not going to do this again, because it's not the same experience. Um, so I'm not really sure what's happening there. But I have seen that um, back to Bob Chapik, he's made some comments when he's trying to explain what I just did. I'm not sure that it, it is received as well. Um, or interpret it as well. It almost comes across as a discount to Magic Key pass holders, which, you know, diehards don't really appreciate that. So I get their perspective. And I understand that Bob is trying to cater to um, shareholders. And, you know, he is the CEO of a major corporation. So, um, you know, kind of get his perspective. But at the same time, I find what makes Disney and Disneyland specifically special is you got to put the guests and the cast members first. And um, those two things work well together. Cast members make for an awesome experience and they are awesome. And guests make for an awesome experience for the cast members. And it's this great cycle. And then those two sets of people make the experience. Like I've said before, 
while the cast members are fantastic, so are Disney guests for the most part. Um, it's like I'm there with my people. I've got, you know, I'm surrounded by people with ears and merchandise and backpack and just that spirit. And it just feels so great to, to be around folks like that. And the cast members just add to that magic. And so you want to make sure that they are first. Um, it is hard because I do understand the business aspect. But all of this to say that I do see a little bit of a shift, and I'm not sure if the shift is just more visible now, like some of these financial goals or um, explanations are more common or put out in the public more, um, or if it's just that it is more um, on their mind right now, but it's not being as well received. So on to the the next section is I'm hearing some um, rumblings, grumblings around um, the parks not being like um, as maintained as well as they used to. I'm not sure that I see that. Uh, I'm not there every day, of course, but I still go to Disneyland both sides and I can't say that I saw a decline in any of the, um, you know, the cleanliness or the attractions. Um, I didn't see a change there. So I, I can't really say that I see that, but people who go more often, maybe they do. Um, I still find it to be one of the cleanest places ever. I still find it to the theming to be amazing. Um, I have noticed, of course, that attractions go down, but they've always done that for as long as I've been going. So I'm not sure that I see it's more often or more frequent. So um, that's just the feedback that I'm hearing. So again, take that with a grain of salt. The only thing that I've noticed, and this has absolutely nothing to do with current management, this is just over time. I noticed that the cast members are some of the cast members are not as um, animated as they have been previously. And there could be a lot of reasons for that, right? So let me give you an example of what I mean. So it used to be that when you went on Peter Pan's flight, if you got a very animated cast member, they would like, as you got all buckled in and the boat was to take off, they'd like blow like they were blowing the ship off into the sky. And it was like a really cute feature that made it look like they were making the magic of the, of the, the ship take off. And I really appreciated that. I can't remember the last time I saw that. Um, and then at Haunted Mansion, I hadn't seen this for a very long time, but I saw it the other day and oh, it warms my heart. You know, there's a lot of puns that a cast member can make when standing in line at Haunted Mansion. Like when they're ushering you in, they'll say things like fill in all the dead space and um, you know, talk about, you know, if you don't move in, the ghosts will get you. And just like a lot of dead puns and haunted puns. I don't see a lot of that. But like I said, I did just recently see it. And the man was amazing. He was loud. He was animated. He had a lot of um, a lot of things to say to, to us who were queuing. And I just think that elevates the experience. And I really appreciated that. I really appreciated him. Um, side note, you can now compliment a cast member through the app, um, which I did not catch his name or that I didn't realize I could do that then, or I would have, cause he was amazing, but that's the kind of stuff I don't see as much anymore, but that really has been going on for years. So I, 
I don't know if it's because they're short staffed and that very well could be, but you know, they're still standing there. So short staffed or not, there's still a cast member standing at the queue and they're not, you know, doing anything to, to amp up the crowd or to add to the theming of that ride for whatever reason, maybe they, I don't know why they don't do it, but I do miss that. Um, but the rest of it, I can't really say that I, that I've seen a decline. People have strong opinions about mobile ordering. Um, some people feel that it's such a great benefit. Some people feel that it's not. Um, because more and more people are going to mobile ordering, sometimes you have to be mindful of when you want to eat. You may not get your first time. So it may be quite a little bit before your mobile order would be like available for you to pick up. So let's say I was going to Bengal Barbecue and it's 10 a.m. and I go in to make an order they may not be available to serve me food until 12. Um, so in really busy times, that's a problem. You can't really do that last minute. But then if you go to Bengal Barbecue, they may only have one live cashier there. So the standby line is super long. So you're waiting then and there. And it seems like there's fewer and fewer live cashiers um, in some of these places, which means they're really encouraging or mobile order has taken off. You know, it's the, it's the chicken or the egg. I mean, some people will say that they're forcing mobile order, which that could be the case. But, you know, the more we use it, the less you need a live cashier. So is it us or them? Probably some hybrids, some mix there. But then other people don't like mobile ordering because they find that whole process of having to get in the app a little tedious. And I have heard times where maybe some of the items that they know are available or they want to get um, aren't available or aren't ringing up correctly in the mobile order app. So there's a little bit of that. So mixed emotions. Me personally, I really enjoy mobile order because one of the things that stresses me out and yet it's never a problem. It's never a problem. But in my mind, it's always going to be a problem is where are we going to find a place to sit? I've never had this problem. I feel like no matter where we go, we always find a table, even if we have to wait for just a few minutes, like wait for people to finish up because it's like a constant revolving dining experience. People are coming and going always. So I like the idea of mobile ordering, heading over to that dining location and scouting out a place to sit and then um, picking up your food then. I think that's pretty awesome. It's not awesome when you're solo, FYI, because you don't have somebody holding the table for you. You have to go get your food and then come back because if you get up, like if you go scout at a table, you sit down and then you, you know, say I'm here in your the mobile order app and they make your food and then they call your number. If you get up to go get your food, you might lose your table. So that's not great for solo. So I usually would just pick up my food and then go find a table. But again, I never really have problems, but that is kind of something that I always think of. So anyways, there's a lot of back and forth about mobile ordering, but at the end of the day, there is no way to please everybody, right? Some people like innovation. Some people don't. Some people like focusing on nostalgia. Some people don't. Some people like automation with the, the app in your phone. Some people don't. Some people like using Genie Plus 
some people don't. So like it is what it is. And when you have such a large amount of people using the same service, product, whatever, you're not going to please everybody. So you have to try to please, you know, the masses or the consensus and you have to do something to make the experience better. And all in all, I feel like my experience at Disneyland is amazing. It's hella expensive. I mean, there's no doubt about that. It's getting more and more expensive. Um, and it just like, again, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. But at the end of the day, I still find it to be an amazing experience. And I will say this until I am blue in the face. It's not that much more than Universal Studios. I love Universal Studios. I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. I'm a huge Jurassic Park slash world fan. I love what I love the view, the outdoor, the whole concept of Universal Studios Hollywood. I love it. The truth is it's like $109 for a pass. And a lot of those rides, not the um, not all of them, but a lot of them are simulation, which I don't do simulation. It makes me sick to the, my stomach. So for me, there's a lot of great things and a lot of wonderful reasons to go there, but I'm still paying $109. And the truth is I can fit just about everything I need to do or want to do in a day and walk out of there feeling like I did everything I could or would do. I had a great time and I loved it. But it's not that much less expensive than Disneyland, where if I went to Disneyland, I can't possibly get it all done. I leave there wanting more. I feel like the magic is just something different. And so for me, the value is really higher um, at Disneyland and Disneyland Resort between downtown Disney, California Adventure and Disneyland proper. I feel like you get more for your money. And I've always felt that way. It doesn't mean that I don't like to go to other theme parks. I love SeaWorld. Um, so it's not like I don't like to go there. It's just that when you're talking about dollar for dollar, in my opinion, you get much more at Disneyland. And I think you, in my humble opinion, I think people have to look at the whole thing. Like you can't just look at an isolated incident an isolated service or product or experience. And then like make blanket statements. I think you have to look at everything. And as I've said a thousand times on this podcast in general, that's what I love about Disneyland. I love everything. I love the whole thing. And so it's just such a huge value for me. It is getting pricey. I don't go as often as I want to. Um, and that is a disappointment. But at the same time, I probably could broaden my horizons a little bit. I need to get over to Disney World. Um, there's a lot to explore there. And maybe, you know, this is like the best thing that could happen for me is to say, okay, maybe I won't go to Disneyland three times this year. Maybe I'll go to Disneyland once and go over to Disney World and experience that. So I get more of the Disney magic. So anyways, that's just my opinion. So that was a whole lot of information I know, but I just kind of wanted to talk uh, the things that I'm hearing, um, around social media and just, you know, opinions about all the great things at, um, all the great things that are happening around good and bad people's opinions. 
Uh, you know, you should really form your own opinion and see what you think. At the end of the day, I'm always going to encourage people to go to Disneyland because I've never in my whole life met anyone who went to Disneyland who came out and said, I hated that. I've never met anybody like that. I've never heard anybody say that. Instead, I've heard just like... <laughs> incredible commentary. So if you listen to this podcast because you've never been to Disneyland, then I highly recommend that you you make that a reality. If that's at all in the budget, at all a possibility, even if it's two years down the road, make a plan and go. You won't regret it. If you listen to this podcast because you are a Disney fan, then I don't need to tell you that. You already know how awesome and magical that place is. So with that, I think I will wrap up this podcast. I hope that you are all having a fabulous weekend. You're being safe and healthy. Don't remember, or no, don't remember, forget that. Don't forget. And please remember that if you need to reach out to me for any reason, uh, my email is always in the description. It is DisneylandDevotedPodcast at gmail.com. You can reach out and ask me a question. Give me your feedback. If you need any travel agent services, I'm here for you for that. I uh, wish you all a very happy weekend. And until next time, bye.